ship is taking on water Looks like the ocean Is calling back her daughter To the deep again The kids out on the corner They're making waves again Another new Welcome, my summer layer. I'm Sammy Yunan, and that was all of us from Sam Roberts' band, a wonderfully joyful ode to the human spirit. I wrote a haiku review of the album, also called All of Us. Here we go. The future of hope. Oh, youth, it's never too late because all of us. I interviewed Sam Roberts in 2017, and I opened the interview asking him if he was a nerd. 
He laughed and he said he was. Phew. Yeah, you don't want to generally accuse your guests uh, when you do interviews. I think that's kind of interview 101. Uh, so with his nerd credentials established, let's do the same thing here. Let's open with some nerd talk before we talk about his album, All of Us, and his youth. We met, we interviewed, I interviewed you in 2017, uh, just for some quick background. There was a place in downtown Toronto called the Pacific Junction Hotel Bar, and you came I in. I remember, we, we talked sci-fi. Yeah, okay, so you do, okay, because you just had a birthday, so I wasn't <laughs> sure. You know how it is when you get a little older, right? So, uh, bon oh, I know, you never know. You <laughs> never know what, what information is going to stay with you and what you got to let go, you know? Uh, we did talk sci-fi, and I, I just want to start there because it has been four years, right? Terraform came out in 2016. You were, of course, touring in uh, 2017. And then later on, you were writing All of Us and uh, Raising Kids, of course. But were you spending any of that time in the four years, like reading sci-fi books or watching movies or TV shows or anything like that? Anything kind of nerdy? Yeah, for sure. There's always a heavy dose of nerdy stuff going on in my way, in my world. Mm. Uh, whether I'm making music or on tour, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I did get swept up into the whole Game of Thrones uh, thing, and which required, in my mind, at least reading one or two of the books. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to get too mainstream with my sci-fi, but I will admit that I felt like I had to see that whole phenomenon through. Yeah. And did. And did. Okay. So, I mean, Sense you know, of accomplishment? Ah, uh, I mean... It was a journey, mm-hmm. and so often with with sci-fi. Anyway, it's, you know, I mean, it's it's not not every not every sci-fi book or or movie can get to all, you know, hit all the right notes, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But I always appreciate I always appreciate the journey, and I appreciate the sort of commitment that it takes to go on that. Especially, I thought it was a weird platform or phenomenon, like having these books that were ended up being surpassed by the show mm-hmm. and and to the point where the author didn't even feel compelled to write the rest <laughs> of it you know yeah it's like the, the it's like your high school essay right where like they give you shakespeare or something and you're like i'll just go watch the movie you know what i mean like you just kind of yeah. skip the whole thing and you're like here you go i wrote yeah. a report on the uh the movie that i saw so i found that part of it really strange and sort of counter to the spirit of you know Mm-hmm. Of uh, I, I think we're all used to I don't know. Let's just take the Lord of the Rings because to me it's still the sort of the the ultimate example of fantasy fiction anyway, mm-hmm. where you know that the movies themselves are going to have to be a very sort of stripped down and distilled version, and you kind of you kind of prepare yourself for that, you know, mm-hmm. and you're you're always fill you're always filling in the gaps. You're like, oh, this is where Tom Bombadil should have been, <laughs> and all that stuff, you know. Yeah, and and yet this was kind of the opposite <laughs> you know yeah so it was a bit of a strange strange leap i also really got into uh i have to say i was reading a lot of historical fiction at the time too this guy patrick o'brien who wrote this naval series called master and commander oh yeah well, basically yeah. uh do you remember that with mm-hmm. uh well the, the only movie was russell crowe yeah 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 uh, as uh, so he, he wrote this pretty amazing 20 book series of that. So I kind of jumped out of the sci-fi realm a little bit in, in favor of uh, getting fully uh, immersed in uh, naval fiction you know, okay. and somehow made a record. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we got to talk about the record eventually. Um, <laughs> because with Ascension's lyric video, 
there's a lot of like 1955 kind of sci-fi movies like flying saucers mm-hmm. you have your scientists with the clipboards yeah but also in that song though you're singing we got no money but we got soul so for this album all of us did you set out in a way to make a soul album <laughs> always trying you know <laughs> always trying yeah as, as soul as soulful as i can be you know but uh yeah never quite arriving but always striving Bono called, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. He called it a gospel song with a restless spirit. And I feel that kind mm-hmm. of encapsulates what you're going for, at least to my ears. Yeah, I think, I think the restless spirit part of it is definitely, uh, you know, on, on point for, well, just myself anyway, just mm-hmm. kind of how I feel about how I've always kind of lived. Um, I'm not saying I have trouble sitting still, but I definitely have... Uh, like what I'm finding difficult these days is not having that freedom of mobility that you kind of take for granted, you know, like mm-hmm. being able to go out. If you feel the urge, being able to go out into the world and, and, you know, look under stones and look for, look for mysteries and, and uh, try to see life through different lenses, you know? And I feel like the last six months has been sort of, you're in your own, you're in your own head all the time. Mm-hmm. So you have to do your sort of, you have to do your sort of astral traveling instead of <laughs> instead of actually physically being able to go out there and see it for yourself. So, uh, yeah, the the restless spirit in me is definitely uh, feeling the feeling the pinch these days uh, when it comes to, uh, I guess, just being restricted and where you can go or not go. Yeah, you can't go on a hero's journey, echoing Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah, and that's you know in our own way. That's kind of what being on tour is uh, all the time, you know, for a band. It's it's your opportunity to go out there and and uh, I guess you're you're kind of carrying a message with you in the music that you make. But it's also you don't you're you're open to the unknown all the time. And it's when you learn to live that way and you stop living that way, it can be uh, it's a bit of a shock for sure. But I like that the hero's journey. Then maybe that's our next our next tour name, you know, <laughs> go for it. I don't know if we, I don't know if we fit the bill or anything, but you know, yeah. But what, like you took time though, for this album too, though, like this wasn't like a quick mm-hmm. turnaround either though. Right. This wasn't like McDonald's fast food. You kind of like no. were in the kitchen and doing like the gourmet chef cooking style. Right. And time is, <laughs> a, time is a luxury. Yeah. In other words, what you're saying is I shouldn't have taken so long and then I would have put the record out in 2019 and we would have been able to go on tour and everything would be okay right now. Well, that's one way to look at it, but I was also wondering too, like, uh, if like, uh, if that's also for you, like, as a marker of like success for rock and roll, because it's like you change, right? Like, as you Mm -hmm. kind of, you've had several records out now. And so... Mm-hmm. success looks different for you for every album that you put out and the fact that you were allowed to and had the time to like work on this mm-hmm. album that's kind of a sign of success isn't it um and i i think that's kind of you know that's that's a quicksand you know in terms of a way of thinking i think for for a, a musician especially there's no there's no point uh, especially oh, I, I can only speak from my own experience there's no point at which i've ever felt you know that i have the luxury of time uh, you know, to really indulge in uh, making a record or any any of those things, I think. But it doesn't mean that you don't have to put in the right amount of time to get something to the right place. And I think there have been times where I was equally said, under the gun to put, come up with a record. And for whatever reason, it was just there. Mm-hmm. And maybe those records could have been better, too, you know, had I taken more time with them. But this... This record just didn't feel right 
you know, uh, I, don't, I guess until it, I can say until it until it felt right, which sounds obvious, but it's that getting to that place took time. But at no point was I just like, oh, you know, let's just let's just sit with this and, you know, everybody just chill out. We got t- we got, you know, lots of records under our belt and mm-hmm. tours under our belt and all that stuff. It's it didn't it never felt like that. There was still always this sense of of urgency. But you have to be I don't know, you have to be disciplined enough to say, like, OK, this isn't there yet. We mm-hmm. got to keep working, and if it and if it means putting out the record six months later, then so be it. But the the worst, I think, the worst of all possible outcomes is putting out a record that you know isn't the one that you wanted to make, and and so you take you take that time, you squeeze. It's not even taking the time; it's like squeezing the time. Yeah, and and to, to get there. I'm not a gardener, but what it sounds like you're saying is like gardening, right? Where like you plant a seed and you have to water it and do all those kind of things, make sure there's mm-hmm. no weeds and stuff, but you can't like yell at the seed to grow. Like you can't peer pressure it <laughs> in a sense. You no. know what I mean? It's going to sprout when it sprouts, but you keep doing the thing that you're doing, which is watering and all the rest of it. Exactly. And you know, it's funny like this year when, when, you know, the first lockdown was happening in March, uh, the snow had melted and I, you know, I, I work a lot in my garden, uh, you know, and not just for metaphors. I actually love being out there in, oh, the, okay, in yeah. the garden and yeah. work and working. And, and, um, but I was, I found myself like literally watching the little buds growing up and just kind of almost wanting to shout at them because there was nothing else to do except stare at your garden <laughs> in the spring, you know, I'm just like, do you have to really grow? So, and by mid April, it's like, they just come up like half a centimeter, you know, and it just mm-hmm. felt like you wanted to scream mm-hmm. at nature to keep, get the show on the road here, you know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's very, that's very much what, what writing a song can, can feel like sometimes. And even just the experience you're just talking about now, of just like wanting to yell at these buds. Uh, the album has a lot of, autobiography like there's a lot of you in this Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. was that part of the delay i guess in terms of like like were you kind of resistant to putting yourself in in your own music in a weird way yeah for sure i mean there's no question in like to me that that's what what the holdup was in terms of like that that extra six months or so you know um i think there's always me in the music that's that's an inevitable you know Mm-hmm. thing but you can wrap you up in a lot of different uh versions but if you're going to speak like you like un unfiltered unbuffered then that's a different story altogether and i just felt like that was that was how i wanted to say it, it was just again with no little to no space between you you as the listener and me as the songwriter you know uh and i think that that took a while to just acknowledge that that's the way it was going to have to be because everything else just doesn't, doesn't feel honest. And, you know, like you can put something out out that doesn't feel honest if, you know, but if you're trying to do something that again, not this that you can live with, but something that you can say, yeah, this is a real reflection of where I'm at right now uh, in my life or as a songwriter or any of those things, then, then, you have to sort of come to that reconciliation with the idea that you're going to you actually put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. And I guess that took, took me more time than I thought it was going to. But once I did, like anything in your life, once you commit to it, it's like bungee jumping, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Once you're like, all right, if, if I stand up here on this platform any longer, it's not, this is not going to get easier. I'm going to jump, you know, and you <laughs> jump. And once you do, it's just, you know, 
um, it goes re- like bungee jumping. <laughs> it goes really fast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a record is just, is literally a record of the musician's emotions or the songwriter's emotions, right? That's really mm-hmm. all it is. And so, yeah, it's a do- it's a document, you know, yeah. in a way. Like, so with this album, though, are you writing about your childhood or are you writing about your kid's childhood? Because it seems to kind of cross over between the two. It does, and I'm having a hard time sort of distinguish. You know. It's almost like the the lines get blurred between um, looking back at your own childhood and trying to, you know, you're sort of, you try to pull all the good things out. And we have a tendency only to remember, well, not only to, but to focus on the good, Mm -hmm. I think. And, uh, And then you try to sort of see if your kids' childhoods have that same magic in it. And it's it's almost like you've got to fight the urge to superimpose your own history your own memories over those over the current sort of lives of childhoods of your of your children and uh you know all, all you realize you can do in the end is just sort of encourage them to to take it all in as much as a kid isn't even really I don't know if it, like kids don't think that way. That's probably what makes childhood so special. Mm-hmm. So you don't think like, wow, this is potentially the best day of my life and I don't know I'm living it right, right now. Yeah. You know? And you also don't realize it's going to end too. Yeah. You just it's assume just, that this is every day is going to be the best. Like you're going to Disneyland every day, basically. Exactly. So like, it's, it's like, how do you, how do you stoke the fire for your kids without sort of trying to impart this useless so-called wisdom on them? You know, and I think that that's when you're in a process of kind of looking back into your own life, but you have these three, I have three young kids who are, you know, again, they're living their own version of that, that kind of childhood adventure. It's a weird, it's a weird sort of double space to be occupying. Mm-hmm. I know some friends who have kids and they've tried to like pass on things like Star Wars, for example. And their kids will mm-hmm. not like it. Like some kids just like, this movie's boring, <laughs> right? And it's just so devastating to the parent because it's like, it's got lightsabers. <laughs> Darth Vader, I love this as a kid. It fired up my imagination. Oh, What's wrong man. with you? You know what I mean? And so that's also the double-edged sword too, right? That like their childhood is different than your childhood. <laughs> it's so true, man. <laughs> and it's like, you're setting yourself up for for like disaster in some ways. But if you do get it through, <laughs> yeah. like I'll, if I just run through a quick list of you know let's just start with with star wars being Mm -hmm. the obvious one um watching star wars was a huge hit for the kids like they really took it on as their own and they i mean it's a testament too to how star wars was made and how visually like just transferable it is to any generation Mm -hmm. they they loved it they loved it good job dad um yeah, uh, that was like, okay, that was a, a win. And then I brought out a movie like uh, Time Bandits. Do you remember that? Yeah, movie? that's a good one. That's a that's hard an one. an amazing though. movie. That, I can it's see a, that being a hard a one, one for kids, though. Well, it fell flat. You know, it's yeah. one of my favorite movies of all time. You know, it really was. And I remember even seeing it as a kid. I just, and I don't know if our sensibilities were different in the 1980s or whatever when I saw it for the first time. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it just didn't resonate. E.T scared the living daylights out of them but I, that they were also like five they were five years old at the time you know? um <laughs> yeah stand by me stand by me actually took a while they're like dad not another one of your dad movies <laughs> yes. and then they and then they got into it and uh yeah so uh, you know it's goonies also uh mm-hmm. you know 
got them in the end, but it took a while because they got to get over the clothes. They've got to get over <laughs> yes. the weird looking cars <laughs> yes. and the shoes that they're wearing. And, the, you know, and that all was that. cool so, kids, though. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I think eventually the coolness of it, like, is timeless and will and will like find its way through. But you got to fight the you're kind of fighting the aesthetic. Mm hmm. Like the story is still good, you know, but you you could be fighting. You're fighting the again the way it looks, the way they dress, also the way they talk, um, all that stuff. And that's that's what's the sort of the the first line of defense that your kids have to get through if they're going to enjoy like a movie from your own childhood. But yeah, yeah it's tough. So does having kids affect nostalgia? Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, you're, you know, just like I don't know, take Christmas Day for when christmas day when you have kids it's weird because there's like this whole time in between when you're sort of a quote-unquote grown-up and when you have your own kids and christmas comes to mean something else and then you have your own kids and christmas sort of takes on this this wild magic again you know mm -hmm. and then you can't you can't help but look back you can't help but sift through your own experiences and memories and all there are all these things like these little trigger moments in your kids lives that will sort of spark a you know a, a nostalgic uh journey in, into your own and for sure i mean that's you know I, i'm living that almost daily now you know it could just be that even this it's not always rose colored either so you could just be like oh the stress of homework you know like yeah. i'm reliving the stress of midterm exams Oh, yes. now through my <laughs> yeah. you know through my eldest daughter it's mm -hmm. like it's so you kind of you kind of get all the good the bad and the ugly too you know yeah nostalgia we see it on songs like ghost for example right like mm -hmm. ghost town right where like uh you have lines like the echoes of the old me and things like that where like you kind of like aware of the passage of time and that's why i was asking you about mm -hmm. if it's your childhood or your your kid's childhood right because you you get aware of the t passage of time through both experiences as you're saying yeah no, exactly. You're kind of seeing that passage of time just through different, two different sets of lenses. I mean, in that case, it's more, I think it's more me, you know, mm -hmm. but it's also just the thing that, you know, like if you look back into your, uh, what, one of the lines in the song is, you know, this is a ghost town, what goes around comes around. And it's just sort of like realizing that those stones that you drop in the lake when you're a kid kind of ripple through your whole life, you know, that those waves catch up with you. Yeah, you know those decisions, those decisions that you make, the choices that you make, the directions that you take, uh, you know, will will resonate through your whole life. And again, you're not programmed to think about that as a kid, but you can't help but notice it when you're a grown up. So you've always managed to mine gold from silver linings. Uh, I mean, that shows up in a lot of your music, right? Has the current mm -hmm. pandemic tested your patience and optimism? You talked about the freedom, <laughs> right? Yeah. But hope is incredibly like rebellious. It's rock and roll rebellious to be hopeful. Mm -hmm. yeah. So like has the current pandemic, I guess, aside from the freedom, has it tested your patience and your optimism? Uh, I mean, for sure, it's tested my patience, you know, right from, right from the get-go, I think, and not just mine. I think everybody's getting a, a crash course in, in, you know, next level patience at this point. Yeah. Uh, because we're, it's changing all the time. It's not like there's there's this fixed date and say, okay, look, just make it through to uh, March 2021, and mm. and at that point, everything's going to be okay. This is like a moving target all the time. Today, we found out that we're having our 
our red zone status extended to the end of November. Yeah. Here in, in Montreal. And it's just like, man, you just got to, I mean, there's nothing you can do except just take a deep breath and say, all right, let's go, you know, let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's uh, dig in and, and, you know, but how that affects, you know, I, how that affects like the creative process, for example, I have I'm not sure because quite frankly, since we finished this record, I haven't been writing music. We've, I've been teaching like elementary school <laughs> at home <laughs> yeah. uh, till the summer and then, you know, then getting ready to sort of do an album launch. So I haven't seen how all of this is going to affect like what happens when I sit down in the basement for the first time and really um, see what kind of music wants to come out. You know, is it going to be that silver lining optimism or is it going to be sort of punch at the wall frustration? And I'm not sure yet. I always try to make it end up that way because that's just how, I, you know, optimistic because that's how I see it world or how i want to see the world and um but so a lot of times you have to fight for that optimism which i guess is a bit of an oxymoron but it's you know mm-hmm. a similar echo was 9-11 where after it happened in early september a lot of artists and creative people didn't know what to do or how to respond like can you make a movie can mm-hmm. you write a song like it was such a weird and then for the first like september and october everyone was kind of lost and didn't know how to react, didn't know what to do. Was it okay to put out a book or, you know what I mean, or write a song or like, is that... Mm-hmm. And there was no social cues, like the way we have a funeral and you can go there and there's social cues on how mm-hmm. to behave and what to say and what not to do. And then around when Saturday Night Live started like uh, live from Saturday night and then like went back to jokes and then by November, December, people started getting back on flights and you know what I mean? Like life started mm-hmm. to go back. The pandemic is kind of a similar way where it's, but it's just a longer period. It's like a summer vacation with no end date. Right, because usually yeah, you, exactly. you know when to go back to school, and it's very similar to September 11. We're like, all right, so that happened now. What are the cues now? Like, where do we go from here? Like, can we start making music again? Mm-hmm. Can we like talk about stuff, or is this like we have to be all serious about it? Yeah, I mean that's exactly. I think it's a it's a very uh, it's a perfect parallel. Uh, you know, it's probably the only other time in our in our lifetimes where, as it was happening, you just had this realization that things just weren't going to be the same afterwards. You know. And, and that it was going to take a very long time for them to get back to what we, th- you know, what we thought of as being normal. And mm-hmm. in 2001, it, 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 you know, you just knew that this was going to be a really, really steep mountain to climb for everybody mm-hmm. uh, in terms of adapting to all the new things. It's kind of like the way we, uh, the way we wear masks now and hand sanitizer everywhere and social distance. Well, at the time, it was sort of like incredibly heightened security. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if you traveled anywhere, if you crossed the border, if you went, uh, you know, through the airport, there was there was also a lot more sort of suspicion. Yeah, you know, it was it was like suspicion always creates a rift between people, and and there was a lot of suspicion in the air at the time, and and also just fear of of like what if this just becomes the norm now? What if it's never back to the way it was? Like what if it's an attack like this every day? or every week forever and we don't ever get to go back to that life that we lived at the same time i think we're feeling that way about you know the sort of new pandemic reality too it's like okay well what if we're all waiting to go back to normal but what if there is no way back to normal and i think that that fear starts to you know wear wear people down for sure it's a lot like a time traveler 
in a weird sort of way. Uh, we start with sci-fi when like Marty McFly, uh, like the DeLorean does a little cameo in your video for, I like the way you talk about the future. But, yeah. <laughs> but like, you know I mean? If he didn't have a way back, then you're kind of trapped uh, in this future mm-hmm. and you want to get back to like your past, your like back to normal, back to where you know where things are. You don't have different clothes, different styles, all these things. And so it can be a bit frustrating when you can't uh, do that. You know what I mean? And that's why I like the video for like, I like the way you talk about the future because it does feel, it does echo like a time traveler that, that's displaced, you know? Mm-hmm. You open the video with the phrase, where are we going? And you close it with silence is the enemy. But thankfully, mm-hmm. you're making a lot of noise with this new record. <laughs> We're trying to, <laughs> man, you know? We're trying for sure. But yeah, I think you're right. Uh, you know, it's at the beginning of Back to the Future, like Marty doesn't really know where he's going to land up or how he's going to get here or there, you know? But by the end, he becomes sort of a, he becomes accustomed to time travel. You know, it's like when Doc Brown shows up at the end of the first one, you know, mm-hmm. and he gets out and he's got the new fusion. What's it called? The fusion master 2000 yeah, or whatever it yeah. was, you know, yeah. you know, but it's like, he now can bounce back and back in, 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 you know, in, in forward in time or whatever mm-hmm. with some kind of control. And uh, yeah, at first everything always feels like a flail, but eventually you kind of, you know, you learn the rules and you've, figure out how to sort of live with it as, as seamlessly as possible. So whatever the future reality holds, we're just, it's, it will become our, our normal way, you know? All right. Uh, that's it. Our, a lot of time is done. <laughs> Thank you so much for hanging out and talking sci-fi and the new album. I love it, Sammy, man. I look forward to our chat. So uh, here's to uh, here's to the next one. And, uh, and yeah, don't wait four years time. next time, then. Eh? Like. I know, man. Well, now you've you've, you've, <laughs> like. you've you, you know you've highlighted the fact that I got to get a get my act together here. Yeah, man. No slow cooker, man. Like <laughs> get the chef cooking and dicing in the kitchen. Like. <laughs> All right, man. Well, take care. Hey, yeah. we'll talk soon. Stay All safe. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yo, that was Sam Roberts. I am Sammy Yunan, and this is, or was, my summer lair. Verily, Sam Roberts' band have crafted a well-written album on the single I Like the Way You Talk About the Future. Sam sings, God is a traffic cop. Sometimes we roll, sometimes we stop. Oh, yo, son, that's a solid image. Heaven is really knocking on his door. Following this interview, and after a few more listens to the album, I'm kind of starting to shift. Maybe this isn't a soul album, so much as gospel music? Although I guess gospel music is part of soul music, isn't it? All of Us wasn't written for or even inspired by our pandemic times, which truly reinforces this timelessness, like a lot of the sci-fi and fantasy Sam and I discussed. The album's hope feels dangerous because to be hopeful is to become an outlier. There's a comforting conformity to fear. If you're fearful, you generally fit in. Hope is a powerful choice and easily one of the best ones we can make. Because in the end, no matter what, the future, it comes for all of us. And Sam Roberts is correct. I like the way you talk about the future. If you want to know more about the way I talk about the future, and sometimes the present, and sometimes the past, 
I got a newsletter you can check out on Substack.com. Just sign up for my pal Sammy at Substack.com. That's the name of the newsletter, my pal Sammy, where I got psychics saying, whoa, I did not see that coming. Substack.com and it's my pal Sammy. We'll close this out with another song from my pal Sam Roberts. This is, of course, I Like the Way You Talk About the Future. Thank you so much for listening to me in the Netflix world. All of us, yo. Feel it the more that I want it Touch the void, open the sky